Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. The Outpouring is a vibrant, Christ-centered church in sunny Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message by Pastor John Daniels. Amen. Amen. All right, if you're ready for God's Word, grab your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, and we'll be studying verses 14 through 30 today, Matthew 25. Verses 14 through 30 today. I think this is one of those sermons, um, one of these passages that will help us grow tremendously, not just now, but it it is something that will shape and hopefully shape and change our, our perspective for years to come. And so... Today is a day that you, you, you dive all in with us today and go on this journey as we look at this, this particular passage. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30 says this. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, depending on one's ability. Then he went on a journey immediately. The man who had received five talents went, put them to work. He earned five more. In the same way, the man that was given two didn't automatically become a hater on the guy that got five. He went to work and earned two more. In the same way, but the man who had received one talent He went off, he dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached and presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, the greatest thing that anybody could ever hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man who had received one talent also approached. He said, Master, What had happened was, I know you, you're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So so I'll be honest with you, I was afraid, I went off, I hid your talent in the ground, but I still have it. See, you have what is yours. His master replied to him, it's not what he replied to the other two, but listen to what he replied to this guy. You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I will receive my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, for to everyone who has, has more will 
be given and he will have more than enough and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw is good for nothing. Serve it into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for this awesome opportunity we have to come before you to sit under your word, God. I pray today, Father, that we would be engaged with all of our senses, our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our spirits, our souls, Lord, that we would hear what you have to say. And so, Father, we just thank you today, God, that, that we get to grow in you. We, we get to cultivate our relationship with the Lord today. And so, Father, I pray that the word of God would change our hearts, that it would renew our minds, that we would be made into your image today as a result of the word of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would just use me simply as an instrument to declare the truth about God today. And so, Father, Holy Spirit, let, let us receive well today. Let us respond well today. Let us be actively engaged today. God, we pray and ask that you would tune out the distractions and the noise that is going on around us so that we can hear what it is you want us to hear so that we can live the way that you want us to live. And so, Father, I pray your son Jesus would be made famous today, that his name would be made known, that, that we would be drawn to him today. And so, Father, we thank you for it. We pray this prayer in your son Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. My sermon title today is Stewardship, the Life of a Fixer-Upper. Stewardship, the Life of a Fixer-Upper. One, one, of, one of my favorite shows, and I'm a bit ashamed to say this, is a show about construction and home design. I, I want to talk about Fixer Upper today from HGTV. I, I want to talk about two of my favorite people, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I, I love this show. I, I love this show so much. And one of the things that I love about it is, is I love their chemistry. I, I love how they take what may be not that beautiful and make it beautiful. I, I like how they take what may be old and make it look brand new. But, but really what they've done is they've made a nation of people interested in something that people should have been interested in all the while. Making better things that they already possess. You see, I, I, I like what, what they do. I, I love their stuff so much that, that, that one of the main reasons that I like going to Target is to go to the Chip and Joanna section in Target. I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to say that. As a man, I, I like going to look at home decor and, and look at the Magnolia section in Target where they sell Chip and Joanna Gaines products. I, I mean, Chip and Joanna Gaines have changed the game. Shiplap is now something that people put in their houses. They've risen the price on shiplap. Not, not only that, everybody has a barn door in their house. Like barn doors are now a thing because of Chip and Joanna. Like, like I, I, I love the show so much. 
that, that they take temporary possession of what belongs to somebody else and put all of their energy, time, effort, and investment into making more beautiful and better than what it was before they got it. They, they are never under the impression that what they are working on belongs to them. They are always working under the guise of knowing the real owners are coming back to see what they have done with what they have been given. I don't want you to miss that. I want you to hear that. They are always working under the guise of knowing the real owners are coming back to see what they've done with what they have been given. And although Chip and Joanna don't own the properties, they are working on, on them like it's their own. You wouldn't be able to tell by the way they treat these properties that, that it actually doesn't belong to them. But, but their consistent faithfulness over other people's possessions have put them in a position to the point now where they have their own network, they have books, they have restaurants, they have a coffee shop, and they have their own section in Target. I don't want you to get caught up in the stuff that, that they have because of what they, what they do and what they were good at, but I want you to see simply that they were faithful over a few things. Don't get caught up in the stuff, get caught up in the faithfulness. Don't get caught up in the fruit of what they were doing, but get caught up in the reward of them being faithful with what they were giving. And what I'm, what I'm doing today is I'm suggesting to you that, that we are to treat all of life as, as if it is a fixed upper that, that we take that which has been handed to us and it belongs to someone else and we take care of it and be prepared and cultivate it into something more beautiful than it was before we got it I, I'm not talking just about a house I'm talking about life I'm talking about life the concept of realizing that what we possess doesn't belong to us, did not start on HGTV in Waco, Texas with Chip and Joanna, but it started with God in the garden in creation. The, the psalm has understood something that, that maybe we miss sometimes, that, that in Psalm 24, verse 1, he says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and those that dwell therein, that everything belongs to God, that he is the creator and author of all things. There is not one single particle in the earth that was not created by God. All things are created by him and Christ, Christ is the agent of creation. What do you mean? that pastor I mean the same thing that Paul meant in Colossians chapter 1 where he said all things are created by God for God and through God meaning that all things are created by Christ for Christ and through Christ Christ did not just show up in the New Testament but Christ has always been he was there at creation and he is the agent of all creation and so with that being said whatever God creates God also owns and the first step to properly understanding stewardship is to realize that God owns everything. That God owns everything. That whatever we have has been loaned to us and God expects us to manage it in a way that will honor and glorify him. Our very own lives, our own loan from Christ. That your life is not your own, but that you've been brought with a precious price by the blood of Jesus, that you, you do not belong to you. You belong to another. And we have been given this life to steward for our good and steward it for God's glory. 
And so we see this even in the beginning when we look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, where God puts a man in the garden to work it and to keep it, to cultivate it, to make it new, to make it better than it was when he got it. Adam was supposed to take what God gave him and cultivate it and grow it and steward over it and make it better than it was before he got it. He was not just supposed to look at the garden and take from the garden, but he was tasked with growing it and making it better before God, making it better than it was before God gave it to him. And we have the same responsibility with everything that God has given us. And Paul calls us God's fellow workers, that, that we have the goal of managing and making better that which God has handed to us in the interim. That everything that we have has been given us, given to us by God. Whether this is a skill set, whether it is a career, whether it's a family, a community that you live in, a role in a church that you've been given or finances that you have possession of, we are supposed to steward those things and manage them for the glory of God. A steward simply means this, a manager of a household, a manager of a household, a steward's job and antiquity was to take care of the household, to make sure that the cabinets were filled with food, to make sure that the lawn was manicured and taken care of, to make sure that the repairs in the house were done, to make sure that the house was beautiful. The steward also had the job to manage the financial resources of the house, to make sure that the, that the finances were allocated in the proper places. A steward had a lot of responsibilities, which means that if you were a steward, you were a trustworthy person. And so a person that was not trustworthy could never be a steward, but an a, 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 a owner always gave responsibility to those that he could trust. A steward always understood this one simple principle that they did not own what was entrusted to them. They, they never were under the false impression that what was entrusted to them belonged to them, but they were to take ownership of it in a sense that they would manage it the way that the real owner would manage it. This is stewardship. And a steward is one who has been entrusted with the possessions of another to manage it in the best interest of the owner. If you've been given a job, your assignment, your responsibility is to manage it in the best interest of the one that gave it to you. If you have a skill set, you are supposed to steward that skill set in the best interests of the one that gave it to you. If you have financial resources, you are to steward those in the way, in the best interests of the one who gave it to you. And when we grasp the concept that we own nothing and God owns everything, all of life then becomes an exercise in doing what is not in our best interest, but is what in the best interest of God. That our goal in this life is to glorify him in everything that we do, in every responsibility that we've been given, even in the job that you don't like. Well, I don't have enough money to manage it well. You managed a little well. That, that we are given these responsibilities by God to take serious, to not put our interests 
first, but, but to put his interest first and own it and manage it in a way that will bring pleasure and glory to him. And there is no greater illustration of the expectations and the rewards of stewardship than in the parable of the talents. And so a parable is a short story or an illustration that Jesus would use to make a comparison or to, to make something easier to understand. The problem was oftentimes to understand the steward, to understand the, the parable, you needed to have spiritual senses to understand it. That, that if, if you were not in a relationship with God, it would be harder for you to understand a parable. They, they would either conceal or reveal the glory of Christ. And so he gives these parables to make comparison of something that a point that he's trying to drive home. And in this instance, it is a parable of the kingdom of heaven. And what he's calling us to in this particular parable is alertness, but mainly diligence in everything we do. That we are supposed to be diligent while we work, that between the time of of Christ's resurrection and his return, we are supposed to be busy doing the work of the one that gave us everything and entrusted it to us. We are supposed to be working diligently and alert with one eye on eternity while we, while we live between uh, the re time of the resurrection and the time of Christ's return. And so we are supposed to use this time and manage it wisely for the glory of God because at some point we will have to give an account with what we've been entrusted to. So when we look at this particular parable, I want you to see this story where there is a wealthy owner and he has entrusted his vast resources to some servants. His resources have been entrusted to his servants and he gives it to them and he goes away and they are living and working under the expectation knowing that at some point he is going to return. And so let's look at this. It says this is verses 14 through 18. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each, of each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way the man with two earned two more, but the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So this is a parable, and I want to say this to you at the outset, that this is a parable, and we can perceive the talent, perceive the talent to be anything that God has entrusted to us. However, we cannot look past the fact that a talent, an actual talent, was money. We can't look past that fact, and so when we look at this this parable, and we see the word talent, it symbolizes more than money, but not less than money. It symbolizes more than money, but not less than money. And so we see this, he gives five talents to one, five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to another. And I want you to notice something, that he has unlimited, vast resources. A talent was a, a unit of currency, and one talent, one talent, one talent was worth 20 years' wages. So I want you to think about this. Think about what you make now. Multiply what you make now in a year. Multiply that by 20. This is what they've been entrusted to. And so with that being said, let's do some maths. Let's say for all intents and purposes, the average salary in the United States is in the $40,000 range, which is, which is actually true. And let's just say we make it at even 40. And if this is worth one talent is worth 20 years wages, then we have one talent, right? One talent, 20 years wages. But this first guy is given five talents. 
So we do the math. We're looking at a master who has given this servant $4 million to manage on his behalf. The other one he gives two. It's no small number. He gives him $1.6 million. And the one who has one, he gives him a measly $800,000. Follow my big ballers in the room. And so you see this, that he has vast resources. This is a lot of money. But I don't want you to get caught up on the dollar amount. But I want you to see that it's a parable. And God sees what he has given us no less valuable. That your life is just as valuable in God's eyes. That what God has entrusted to you may not seem like much, but it's everything to God. And it has value simply because God gave it to you. What we have has value because of who it comes from, not because of us, but because of who it comes from. And God sees the value of what he has given us no different than he sees the dollar amounts that he's given these servants to manage on his behalf. This is this is the perspective that we should have about the things that God has given us. And the first thing that I want you to take note of about the first two servants is that they take initiative. If we are going to be proper stewards of what God has given us, we must first take initiative. And it says something key in the text. It says that they immediately went to work. They immediately went to work with what God gave them. They immediately went to work. I would almost assume because they immediately went to work, that means that they had a plan in place before he gave them what they had. We oftentimes pray for stuff, but my, my concern is, is that we're not prepared for what we've been praying for. That if you are praying for a certain amount of money or you're praying for a certain job, or you're praying for this or that. Do you have a plan in place for what you prayed for? Do you know what you would do if God gave you a million dollars today? And if the answer centers around you taking care of you, wrong answer. Get another plan. And so they have a plan in place. And notice something else. That the one that got two talents is not sitting around complaining about the one that got five talents. He just gets to work. He doesn't say, oh, that's not fair. You gave him five. I only got two. No, he works with what he has. And so my second point of faithful stewardship is this. Start with what you have or be great where you are. Oftentimes we are working. We're waiting to work hard. We're waiting to show up on time. We're waiting to have the right, right wardrobe. We're waiting to have the right education before we are ready to get to the right place before we do the right thing. But God wants us to be faithful right where we are. I'll show up on time when I get the job of my dreams. And what you're communicating to God is, God, this ain't nothing. Give me something else. I could have got this on my own. And God is like, no, I gave you that. Do, do you see where you are right now in life as something to steward like you would steward it if it was the place where you want to be. I'll make up my bed when I get a mansion. You better make up that twin bed now. I'll clean, over when I have, clean up when I get some company over. Y'all crazy, y'all crazy, y'all, y'all wild. A steward had the responsibility for household upkeep. So if God gave it to you, it's your responsibility to clean it. 
Y'all, y'all, don't be mad. Y'all, some of y'all are mad at me. You're all thinking about the bed that you left unmade on your way to church. I didn't have time this morning, God. I didn't have time this morning. I'm going to do it when I get home. I didn't sweep up. I know those dishes are piled a mile high in the sink, God. Forgive me. But a steward starts with what they have and where they are. I'll give my eff- more effort when I get what I deserve. No, stewardship says I'll give 100% effort now even if I don't get what I think I deserve. I'll start tithing in church when I make more money. Stewardship says all of it belongs to God anyway, so I might as well start now. So here's a practical point. How you steward God's money serves as a proving and training ground for how you will steward other areas of your life. But many of us are like the servant that was given the one talent. And verse 18 tells us that he went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. He's playing it safe, but playing it safe is not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is to gain by giving. Here's what I want you to realize. It is hard to dig a hole in the ground. He literally takes the time out to dig a ditch. Notice he's had, he has a, a large amount of money, so it's not, you can't just dig a hole for $800,000 just like that. You got to take some time. You got to sweat. You got to get dirty. You got to do all this other stuff. Get a shovel. You got to take throw your back out. You got to do all of this. And all the while he could have used the same energy to steward God's resources better. He could have used the same effort that he used to hide it and put it in the ground to manage it well. And so here's what he didn't understand. That it was not his money in the first place. It belonged to someone else, and the person that it belonged to had unlimited resources. Secondly, he should have known that the expectation was for him to invest what he had. But just like us, we feel that when we give, we lose. And so we stay in this place where we try to play it safe. But if God has given it to you, it is for you to cultivate it and grow it to make it better than it was when you got it, no matter how small it is. People who invest know this, that the only way you make a a return on your investment is if you invest in the first place. If you want to be in a certain place in life for God's glory, you don't wait. Ten years from now, you become the best at what it is right now. I'm going to be a best-selling author one day. You don't read today. I'm going to write. I'm going to write for the New York Times. You don't write now. All you know how to do is scroll on your phone. When I get a better car, I'm going to wash it more often. <sighs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder when I get into my master's program. You are flunking undergrad today. Well, they're gonna, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm just wait, just work a, work a couple of years here, two years at this job, and then I'm going to move on up to the big time. But you are failing where you are right now. And you expect God to reward your unfaithfulness. Good. 
God doesn't call you to that. God calls you to stewardship, which means you cultivate, you grow, you make better that which he has given to you. And so tells us that God at some point is coming back and we have to settle accounts with him. Let's look at verses 19 through 23. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. And so I want you to see something. that They, want, they both doubled what they were given, and that's beautiful. But the profit that they received, wasn't the reward of stewardship. It was the fruit of stewardship. It was the fruit of stewardship. The reward of stewardship is God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. At the end of all of our lives, all we want to hear from God is well done, that good and faithful servant. That is the greatest reward that we could ever receive. But the fruit of it may be some other stuff. Maybe some other stuff. Number one, number one reward of faithful stewardship is approval from God. He says, well done, that good and faithful servant. God rewards faithfulness. The second reward of faithful stewardship is more responsibility. He says, you are faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. We want promotions. We want raises. We want to increase in our salary. We want a better car, a bigger apartment, a better house. We want more responsibility. We want our name and lights. But the question I have for you today is, are you faithful over the mundane? Are you faithful over what is monotonous? Are you faithful in the area where you feel like you are too gifted and too talented to be where you are? Are you faithful right there? Because stewardship is not waiting till you get to there. Stewardship is about being faithful here. Being faithful in here now. Where are you not as faithful as you should be because you feel like you're not where you should be? What area of your life are you not managing that well? Is it your, is it your job? Is it your academic pursuits? Is it in your finances? Is it in your family life? What are we not managing well that we need God to come alongside us and help us to manage well for his glory? Being a good steward brings about more responsibility. It doesn't remove responsibility, it brings more to us. If you have been at this church for a couple of years, you know that if you work close to me, the way I show you approval is by giving you more stuff. There are people who avoid me now because they don't want to hear the next thing that got to come out of my brain because it requires work. If you don't want more work, then don't be good at what you do. Oh, man, I was good. They gave me another project at work. They laid this other thing on my desk. They should give me a raise. No, the reward is that you got more responsibility. Be faithful over that. 
The approval is more responsibility. It is not always, and it does not always come with a monetary value to it. But the greatest reward of faithful stewardship is that we get to share in the master's joy. He said we, 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 we get to share in the master's joy. We get to be partners with God. We get to be in a relationship with him. And so we go from being, he, he goes from being our master to being our friend. And we become friends of God because we've been faithful in stewardship. But then there's a downside to not doing what God told us to do. Yet two who did the thing, man, two who's like, yeah, we, we, we got to work immediately. But there's always one. There's always one. Look at verses 24 through 30. It says this, the man who received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So, so I was afraid. I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. And here, I'm giving it back to you just the way that I got it from you. And the master replied to him, I, I want you to see th this master's reply. When we think it should be some uh, sympathetic response, okay, you gave it back to me just like I got it. Okay, that's cool. All right, all right, you didn't do much with it. That's cool. As long as you didn't lose anything, you are right with me. It's cool. I'll give you something else. It's cool. You did, a, you did a right job. You didn't do what they did, but you was all right. You was okay. It's fine. I'll give you some more responsibility. But no, that's not the master's response. Look at the master's response. Here's what he says. You evil and lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I return. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. We see God is not interested in participation trophies. And here's a precious promise that he leaves us in the text. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Verse 29, it says, for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more enough that if we are faithful stewards we will have more than enough that God does not run out of what he's entrusted to us that by giving of yourself by giving of your time by giving of your resources by giving of your help by giving of your assistance you don't lose but you gain. But if you never give, you never gain anything. So in the kingdom, God values faithfulness over the mundane, faithfulness over the little stuff. And oftentimes, what we do is we mask our self-interest in prudence. Well, I didn't lose anything. I was just trying to hold on to what I had. I was trying to keep this little bit that I have. And we think we're being prudent, but that's actually self-interest. Because in the kingdom, we have to understand that it is an investment that we make. That God never gives us something without the intention being us making it better than it was when we got it. And that's not easy. Because stewardship requires work. Stewardship requires effort. Stewardship requires being on time and being prompt. 
Stewardship requires trying to be the best that you can at something that you really don't want to do. Stewardship requires us giving 100% effort even if the pay does not or is not commiserate with what we're doing. Stewardship requires faithfulness even in the mundane of things because all that we have is a gift from God anyway. Well, why would this guy, this servant, be so haphazard? Number one, he was lazy. And number two, the overarching thing I think, I think is fear. That there was a lack of trust there. He literally says, I was afraid. I was afraid. And oftentimes we are afraid. And fear gets in the way of us doing our best. Fear of losing something. But you can never gain by not giving. And I don't just mean money. I mean your life. I want to grow in my relationship with God. Give up more yourself. I, I, I want to be this. I want to do this thing. I want to do this. Uh, I want to do this thing. I, want, I, I don't want to like my job, but I want to do this. Is my, this is my dream. Be, be faithful here. Be faithful right where you are. Don't, don't let the ball drop right where you are and be haphazard, but give 100% everywhere because you're not doing it for you. You're doing it on behalf of another. And that's what our life is, and that is what he's calling us to. And unfortunately, because of our sin, it holds us hostage and causes us not to obey when we should, not to take risks when we should, not to serve when we should, not to follow the authority that God put in our lives, because truthfully, we don't want to do, we want to do things our way. Our sin makes us fear losing what we deem significant and valuable to us. But the good news is that Jesus has rescued us from this Fear that he died on the cross for our lack of trust in God, for our laziness, for our fear of losing out, for our fear of missing out. His death on the cross was sufficient to take care of all of that. And his resurrection was proof of victory over all of those things. And the fear of loss has now been replaced with fear of the Lord. That now we have a reverence and awe for God that compels us that draws us to give more of ourselves, to give more of our lives, to give more to people, to give more to our neighbor, to give more to our family, to give more of our resources, to give more of what we have that God has entrusted to us. Because of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit that leads us into prudent, bold action and cultivating the gifts we have been given and investing the resources that have been entrusted to us. And here's the promise once again in verse 29, for everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough. I don't want you to forget that, that if you are with God investing in the kingdom, the promise is that you will have more than enough. So let's live like it. Let's live like it. Because the alternative, and I'm done, the alternative is catastrophic. In verse 30, the master doesn't just say, you know what? I'm just going to give you less next time. The master literally says in verse 30, and throw this good for nothing servant. I thought that was a typo. But it literally says good for nothing. Meaning when you are not stewarding God's resources, you are useless in the kingdom. And when we think about that, none of us will consider ourselves useless. 
But in God's perspective and in God's economy, if you are not investing, if you are not giving your all, if you are not managing well, he sees us being useless. And he says, send him where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a phrase that is used for hell. It's just total separation from God. And you may be asking, why is it that drastic about me being a steward that I would be separated from God? Because not to faithfully steward what God has given us is an indication that we have never experienced authentic salvation. But a sign of authentic, genuine fruitfulness in the kingdom is being faithful with what we have and faithful where we are. And there will come a time when God asks each one of us, what did you do with the life that I gave you? What did you do with the time that I gave you? John Piper, great theologian, says that Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are only evidence that God will use in the courtroom of heaven to prove that we didn't do what we did because we didn't have time. It will be evidence that we had all the time in the world to do everything that God gave us, but we chose to use it elsewhere. But what we do with what we have matters to God. How am I managing my relationships? How am I managing my family life? How am I managing my job, my career? Am I doing it for the person I'm working for? Or am I doing it for the person who sent me, which is God? When I look at my finances, am I figuring out everything else and saying, God, I'm going to give you the last of what I have? Or am I being a faithful steward and saying, you know what? God, thank you. Because you gave it to me, it is a gift and it is more than enough. I will make a decision to give you what is yours. The life of a steward is a life of a fixer-upper. Someone who takes what they've been given and manages it in the interests of the one who gave it to them. Let us be found faithful. Let's pray. We hope you were blessed by the message today and would love to hear about how God is using this ministry in your life. You can connect with us online at outpouringorlando.com to share your story, request prayer, give financial support, or learn more about our ministry. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services if you're ever in the Orlando area. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.